Hello everyone. Welcome to the episode 12 of Soul Lead Saturday. The guest we have today, Jennifer. She is proud single mom of 23 year old who wants to be a teacher. She is worked in the finance industry quite a long time now and her core expertise include marketing analytics, uh, risk and operations. And now she is in a journey of a data scientist who is specializing in the analytics field. So let's hear her career journey. How did she manage to you know, follow the continuous learning path and manage to be one of the leaders in the area she is passionate about? So welcome, Jennifer. And Thank you. Happy to have you on the Solid Saturday episode podcast, actually. Um, I remember that we met in the Data Science Go first time. And uh, it's like, you know, you form the instant connections, actually, find <laughs> the like-minded people around and uh, it was so much fun during that time. So, yes, it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for being my sure. guest. And uh, to start with, uh, we will first hear about your career journey. So uh, what do you do now and how you transform to be, you know, uh, how are you learning towards the data science field now? Like, how are you building your career? Okay. Well, I have been uh, working in uh, predominantly auto finance for the last 13 or so years. Mm -hmm. And uh, prior to uh, becoming an analyst in the auto finance space, I was actually uh, in various sales and marketing roles uh, in the telecom and technology space. Uh, so altogether, my career spans about 25 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, working for a lot of, uh, you know, larger companies as well as mid-sized and small companies. Uh, currently, I work for a company that is a very small subprime auto finance company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, um, during this time, I've, you know, specialized in marketing analytics. That's really kind of my wheelhouse. But I've also worn other hats because of the nature of the type of industry that we're in being subprime. I'm also expected to, you know, be comfortable talking about the risk side of the business, understanding risk analytics, um, collections, servicing. You know, we work with dealers throughout the country um, that are uh, trying to provide auto loans to people that have uh, lower FICO scores. So if you have a 640 or less FICO score, then, you know, you would fall within our target demographic. Uh, we don't work directly with the end user or the borrower in this case uh, because of licensing constraints. We can only work with the dealer. But so my, my primary responsibility is around helping our sales team um, understand who our dealers are, you know, where are the pockets of opportunity, uh, how are they performing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, and month-to-month -month basis. Um, mm -hmm. I also assist our executive team with any special projects that they have um, or that they need um, analytics on. So it could range from, you know, trying to help them get ready for their next board meeting mm -hmm. and trying to understand, you know, how we're doing from a, a, from a larger performance perspective at the company mm -hmm. to, like I said, kind of reporting on how we've done in terms of sales. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it kind of, it kind of you know runs the gamut you know it's it's a, it's you know I wear a variety of hats I'm also our company's Salesforce administrator so I've built out several reports and dashboards within Salesforce um, on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis I'm also running you know any of our marketing campaigns in market as well as social media so you know whatever um, is needed in that regard. I'm also doing that. And then of course I'm responsible for the analytics on the backside to make sure that we're, you know, uh, 
monitoring how that's contributing to any lift that we're seeing in terms of applications and loan, you know, applications, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the way you are talking or the way you are explaining that you are like, you know, part of uh, everything, like all the phases around it. So uh, when did you realize your passion towards it, actually, that you are interested in this area? That's a great question. So I kind of fell into this opportunity, you know, fell into data analytics per se. Um, like I said, I'd been working in sales and marketing uh, for, you know, 15 or so years prior to that. Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of had a uh, math and analytical acumen. Mm -hmm. uh, I was always sort of the, the geek in high school. I was, you know, um, being, uh, I was taking classes um, to uh, eventually be, uh, be a doctor. I wanted to be pre-med. I wanted to go into genetics. I was just really fascinated by science, mm -hmm. but through some different twists and turns in my early, you know, you know, college time, mm -hmm. or whatever, um, it, I just discovered that, you know, I was really better when I was happier when I was actually in, in situations where I could work with folks in the business arena. So not just being on the science and math side of it, but you know, actually um, you know, working within the business. I started, my father was um, a C-level executive in the aerospace industry. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of learned a lot from him just on the side and you know, you know, how you should conduct yourself, you know, what, what's important about, you know, doing business with people, you know, mm -hmm. how, how should you look at problem solving? Um, you know, he, he was always, you know, uh, helping me, you know, with, with problems I might've had, you know, in physics or analytics in school or what have you. So it just kind of progressed from there. Right. So yeah, I ended up in sales because, um, you know, I guess because of that people, that personality aspect, and that that's just sort of a, a, a part of my personality, getting, you know, working well with people. Um, and uh, because I had the background in, you know, math and understanding mm -hmm. science, um, I guess that's sort of how I got into the technology industry. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, given an opportunity to work as a intern mm -hmm. uh, straight out of uh, Texas Women's University where I got my bachelor's degree and went to work for Northern Telecom. They became Nortel later. They're no longer around. I uh, went through that whole, you know, 15 years of working with different companies. And then we had the dot-com bubble bust, if you will, right? So a lot of companies, you know, went by the wayside. We had, you know, a lot of startups and I worked for some dot-coms. And long story short, I ended up uh, going through some layoffs and just decided, hey, I've got to uh, go back and get my MBA. I've got to do something to keep myself marketable. I didn't know that, I guess you could say I didn't think that sales and sales was really going to be a long-term uh, mm -hmm. road for me because, um, you know, even though I did well, you know, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of getting tired of the whole quota each month mm -hmm. thing. And so I got my MBA and uh, fast forward to sort of where I am today, I was given the opportunity to join a company um, called, at the time they were called Drive Financial. Mm -hmm. They got, they ended up becoming Santander. They were bought by a bank in Spain. Um, anyway, I, so I joined, uh, I was recruit, I was just called by a recruiter. I was contacted by a recruiter and she said, Hey, I've got this opportunity. Um, you know, I see that early in your career, you've done some sales, but you, I, my very first job as an intern back in, gosh, I'm really going to date myself in mm -hmm. 1991 or thereabouts, uh, was like I said, working for Nortel and I was a marketing analyst. Mm -hmm. so that was my very first marketing job, but it was an analyst role. So 
I guess she sort of went way back in my past and sort of, you know, saw that I also got my MBA. And so long story short, that's how I ended up, you know, becoming an analyst. It was just really by sheer, you know, timing and opportunity and, you know, being able to uh, be given an you know, given the chance to uh, learn on the job. Mm -hmm. uh, I told them in the interview, you know, I said, hey, I've taken a couple of programming classes in college, mm -hmm. but I have, you know, I, I really don't have a, uh, any recent background or experience mm -hmm. in analytics. So, you know, if, if you're willing to train me, I'm willing, I'm willing to work hard. And so I remember getting pulled into a room to learn SQL. Um, I had somebody just sit with me and walk me through all the basic syntax and so that that was my you know beginning of my uh, time as an analyst. Yeah. So you grabbed the uh, like you know right opportunity actually. So yeah. uh, you made like that opportunity fruitful for your career. So that is very uh, I feel like useful for you know youngsters to learn about whenever there is an opportunity there is always a chance to grow and build your career further. Certainly. So yeah, and you already mentioned that how like what major steps you follow to pursue that passion. So moving to the next question. Um, when I saw your profile, actually, you have like tons of certifications on your profile. So like it is Tableau, machine learning, business analysis, and in introduction itself, you mentioned that you are a part of all the phases involved into the delivery. So um, why do you think that those certifications are important? That's a really good question because I think there's probably differing schools of thought these days on whether or not, you know, certificates hold any weight. Um, you know, whether or not you should even mention them on your resume. Um, you know, for me, uh, I, I just felt like it was important to take stock of where I was at in my career. So back in around, uh, back around 2015 or so, uh, you know, I, I just reached a point in my career where, you know, I had to, I had to ask myself some questions, you know, what is it? I think this is important for everybody to do every so, every so often in your career, you know, look at where you are and kind of ask yourself, where do I want to be? Right. Mm -hmm. What does the future look like for me? Mm -hmm. Am I really happy at what, what I'm doing? Just taking stock, you know, taking that moment to just kind of reflect. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I did that, I looked at, you know, I looked at analytics mm -hmm. and I looked at the industry broadly as in terms of what, you know, where data is at, how important it is. Because I also have the marketing side or the marketing background, I also had to take stock of sort of where the marketing, where marketing is and how mm -hmm. important it is to the business. So anyway, I basically just decided, you know, here are some things, here are some, some potential gaps mm -hmm. I have in my skills, right? So, uh, or maybe it's just, it, maybe there were just, um, you know, skills that I thought I needed to improve if I wanted to stay, you know, continue to stay marketable and just continue to contribute high value to my employer. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was about that time uh, that I just, you know, sort of outlined for myself, you know, what are the key skills in marketing? What are the key skills in analytics? In marketing, it was all about, you know, digital marketing, you know, uh, SEO, being able to do web analytics, um, you know, digital marketing, like I said, and then on the analytics side, you know, that was when I first kind of started hearing, you know, data science was the buzzword. Everybody was talking about data science. And then I think it was around about 2016, um, I got called by a company to interview. I won't say who it was, but it was a major airline and it was for a senior marketing data scientist position. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this sounds really, really cool. I've been hearing about data science. Wow. You know, I should, I should check into this and kind of see, this is intriguing. 
So I went to the interview, um, was a great first interview, but I remember one of the people in the interview that I would have been working with said, hey, do you know how to use Alteryx? Can you, do you know, he just, you know, sort of named off a list of, of, you know, these different platforms and tools. And I thought, uh, no, I haven't used those, but, but I, you know, my sales, the salesperson in me kicked in and said, hey, but I can really, I can learn these things. You know, I can, uh, you know, I can start taking, you know, courses. And so anyway, I ended up, that job ended up being put on hold. Um, the company went through some changes and they ended up not deciding not to hire mm-hmm. that role, but it was a really big wake up call for me because mm-hmm. I'd already been making these lists. I'd already been sort of outlining where I wanted to be and what I needed to start thinking about in terms of, you know, courses. But um, that interview just kind of put a, a nail in the ground or a stake in the ground you know, and told, you know, I, it, it really made me uh, decide, hey, I need to start getting serious about the analytics side of my, my career as well. So I started listening to Super Data Science. Um, I found the machine learning guide taught by Tyler Ranelli, a great, another great podcast. Um, I just started taking courses through it, whatever I could find, Coursera. I think I started on Coursera. Mm-hmm. Anyway, going back, sort of coming full circle back to your mm-hmm. question, I just think, I think certificates are important because number one, I think they're quick and easy to, t- to, to take, right? Mm-hmm. So things are always changing so fast in our industry. It's super important to constantly be honing your skills. Um, the second thing is that I think it can be more affordable for people, right? So sometimes you don't have the money or the time to go back and get a degree, but a lot of times we can, we can carve out time to work on a certificate, right? Whether it's on the weekend or in the evenings. And so I just think it, the bottom line is I think it's important to keep your skills up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there it is so competitive now mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, find a job and, and mm-hmm. to be able to pro- even just providing value to your employer. I think it's so important to mm-hmm. take the initiative in your organization and say, Hey, I've been taking this course or I've been learning about X and I think I can help you do Y, right? Mm -hmm. But you've got to take that initiative. And so I think it's just, it's a way of showing people, it's a way of showing your employer, it's a way of showing potential, you know, potential employers Mm -hmm. that you have that initiative. You care about, you care about the future of the company, you care about your own skills and that you're willing to put in the work to do it. So this is very insightful. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, no, this is definitely very insightful actually because whenever you are looking for any kind of a, you know, a career change or the technology, always it is you being the proactive and showing that courage to get into that field actually. Yes. So continuous learning is something you always find out that, you know, gap, do the gap analysis, where you lie and then, you know, current market analysis, where is the market going and the job market specifically, if you're looking to jump into that area. So this is very, very useful. So thank you for sharing. Sure. Moving to the next question, I see your uh, daily hashtag daily coding posts, actually, which is the initiative started by Kate. Mm -hmm. But it is like, I love the consistency and you are doing it every single day. So that is something I'm also planning to do, but I'm still did not start it because I did not commit it unless until I will be that consistent, like, you Mm -hmm. know, doing it. But whenever I see your post is like so encouraging and uh, when we talk about your profile, you are like worked like your core expect, like, you know, uh, expertise in the operations risk and marketing analytics, when it comes to coding, like how challenging it is to keep up to, you know, new skills, like, you know, and how do you manage that? 
Well, again, I'll, you know, I'll give credit to Kate for, you know, the daily coding challenge. You're right. I mean, you know, I think it's so important to, um, particularly when you're learning to code or when you're just continuing to keep your skills up, mm -hmm. that, you, that you code every day, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just for 10 minutes that you're, you know, you, you, you do something every day to continue because that muscle memory is so important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm really, I was really excited when she came up with this, this challenge because I was getting to a point where, um, you know, I, I knew I was, I knew mm -hmm. I wanted to continue learning different coding languages. I had just finished up, um, you know, the first part of learning R, right? So it was Matt Dancho's uh, Jumpstart with R course, and I had just started taking his 101 course, and mm -hmm. I knew that I needed something to kind of light a fire under me to keep doing this every single day because I get busy, we all do, um, you know, I'm a, a single parent. And so, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, challenge trying to keep up with everything. So anyway, I, I just think it was great that the timing of, of the challenge was perfect because mm -hmm. I do very, very I'm, I'm a very goal oriented individual. <laughs> and so most of the time I'm very self driven. Mm -hmm. um, but I've realized as I've gotten older that it just helps to have other people to surround yourself with other people that are like-minded and believe in that same sort of ambition mm -hmm. and help push you and push each other. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I mean, you know, I definitely, it's, it is challenging, Leisha. It's, it is challenging. Um, in fact, Kate and I have talked about this offline. Um, you know, I, I think I started it, you know, like I said, thinking, okay, this will be a great way for me to just keep up my skills and, and sort of inside, you know, and me to code every day. Mm -hmm. But then I started to feel because, because I have so many people that kind of follow me, mm -hmm. I started thinking I better use this. I'd like to use this as a teaching opportunity too. Mm -hmm. yep. And I realized that you, it's, it's easier for you to learn and assimilate information if you're also sharing and, and training other, others, mm -hmm on that same material. And I enjoy helping other people. It's just in my DNA. And it's just, I probably should have been a teacher or maybe I wasn't a former life. I don't know, but, um, so it's just, that's, that's how I keep myself motivated. Um, yes, it's definitely, I can agree on that point that, you know, teaching yeah. is the best way of learning as well. Uh, people yeah. don't understand it actually because they keep enhancing the skill set if they are teaching as well, because people will come up with the questions and then you explore some of the areas you might missed out while learning by yourself. Yeah. So yeah, that is the best way of learning anything. So thank you so much. And oh, I'm yeah. like looking forward to it, your challenge actually 365 <laughs> days. And Kate mentioned me that she's not planning only 365 days. And I'm sure you are <laughs> going to be the one who is doing it like consistently. So uh, yeah, all the good luck with that actually. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then moving back to your uh, core expertise, actually marketing analytics. So would you like to provide some insights to the audience? Like, you know, how does it work? And if like, you know, uh, what goes under the marketing analytics when we talk about that? Sure. So marketing analytics is really focused on, um, you know, what are the different tactics that you're using to uh, reach your customers and, you know, increase sales or increase market share, you know, what are, what are the drivers of, you know, revenue in your business, right? So whether it's in our case, applications coming in for loans, it's how, how do you measure 
Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you measure whether these tactics are working for you? Mm -hmm. So in marketing, you know, we refer a lot of times to the marketing mix, you know, mm -hmm. that's pricing, promotion, place, you know, it's, it's, it's the four areas that drive, you know, your, your, your product mix or your mm -hmm. marketing mix. So, and there's also all of these different tactics. Like I said, there's, mm -hmm. gosh, now we've got offline tactics. We've got online tools. We've got digital marketing. We've got offline brick and mortar marketing. You've got direct mail, email, uh, mm -hmm. social media. So we refer to all of these different pieces and sort of how, how we measure or, or kind of, you know, the different touch points that go into, you know, reaching our customer is attribution, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out how do we attribute um, each each of these each of these um, tactics. How do we attribute that to the person who ultimately buys our product or service? Uh, was it web? Was it purely web influence, or was it you know early on in the sale? Was it our salesperson calling on that person? Right? Was it a relationship play? So marketing analytics is all about identifying all of those different touch points, understanding all of the tactics that are in market for the company, and then understanding you know how sales may look before you launch that program or that promotion mm -hmm. versus afterwards um so there's a lot of just sort of comparison of, of you know the timing of you know what 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 revenue was like you know at a certain time period relative to you know when you actually launched this particular program mm -hmm. so you spend a lot of time measuring and just kind of managing these different campaigns and market the other piece of it is understanding your customer from a target demographic perspective. So for example, we are a subprime auto finance company that I work for. And so we, I have to understand, you know, what, what are the different types of dealers that we work with? We have some dealers that are going to be in markets that have a lower subprime customer. Uh, we may have dealers that sell what we call Highline, uh, Highline cars, so your Land Rovers, your Jaguars, you know, that sort of thing. So it's understanding, you know, what type, you know, what states are they in, you know, what, what types of vehicles are they selling, you know, um, what are their triggers, do they like, or do they, are they influenced more by the relationship with the rep, or are they influenced more by, you know, the pricing. So it's understanding your target as well as the tactics that go into, um, that go into, uh, you know, selling your product. So that's kind of a broad overview, but of course there are other things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis because we are a finance company. We're also looking at just in general, you know, what do those applications look like when they're coming in the door? Um, you know, and so there's a lot of things that just are, are specific to our business that you also need to understand, but I manage all of our email campaigns. I make sure I measure, you know, how I, I'm looking at Google analytics and I'm trying to understand did this, did this, you know, dealer visit our website because they received our email campaign, you know, um, so I'm always trying to tie back, you know, the digital side of the business or the digital tactics to the offline tactics, um, how our sales reps are doing versus how these, these other promotions are working. Yeah. So this led to the second question, like you worked in the finance industry such a long time now. So uh, when we talk about the data, how do you see this field evolving, like around the finance domain? Like, uh, what, what are the differences you can see now and then? Between now and how maybe it how was, was several years ago? Now, is it getting structured? It is getting worse? It is still in the boom? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of. I, I still think there are a lot of, and particularly in our, in our, maybe it's just 
the finance industry or maybe it's other companies, but I still see a lot of challenge around data governance. Mm -hmm. So um, just understand, you know, like even just something as simple as a data dictionary. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of focus on, you know, getting the data into the, in, you know, via ETL, getting it into the server and, you know, making sure the data is available to the users and, you know, making sure the jobs are run on time to, you know, create our reports, et cetera, et cetera. But in, in most of the companies I've worked for, there's also been sort of a, a deficiency, if you will, on the governance side. So now we have to be very careful because we're in the finance realm, we have to be very careful about compliance. So we're doing things a lot of times on the compliance side that help sort of hedge that or help sort of you know monitor that risk. Mm -hmm. But just from a day-to-day -day kind of as an analyst, it can be challenging sometimes. And I've had this at other companies when you, you've got to figure out, you know, where is the data? Where, mm. how, do, how do I get to the right data that I need? That's, that's the first, besides understanding the business question and the problem, right? Your next question is, what data do I need and how do I get to it? Mm -hmm. um, I found a lot of situations, especially on the marketing side, mm -hmm. because, we're more, because we're more concerned with, I guess you could say, risk as mm -hmm. an auto finance provider. As a marketing person, I've had to get very creative mm -hmm. <laughs> and sort of bring in my own data yeah. sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, as a, as a marketing analyst, I would say that's one of the biggest challenges for me is just, you know, and, and for the finance companies I've worked with is just, you know, being able to satisfy all the stakeholders across the business, being able to anticipate their data needs. And then in some cases, particularly more recently, you know, knowing that there may be times where you have to bring in data from somewhere else, it's not necessarily going to be residing in your server. Being able to know as an analyst that that is something you may have to do on your own. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to that initiative and just, you know, understanding your, your domain of the business, your part of the business and how mm -hmm. that, how some additional external data may help you make a decision. Yeah. So thank you for sharing actually that was yeah. helpful. And uh, uh, moving to the data scientist role that now, now your tagline says that you data scientist who is specializing in the analytics. So why do you think that analytics is important when it comes to data scientist job role? Like, well, there are different areas or subdomains within data science, right? So it's not that I think analytics is, is more important than other areas. I happen to specialize in analytics because it's something I've been doing for a while. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's important for you to be familiar with other areas of data science um, because, you know, we talk a lot about that life cycle, right? From, you know, the problem to, mm -hmm. you know, being able to deploy models, right? Being able to, you know, get the information into the hands of your end users or your, or mm -hmm. whoever it is that's, you know, whether it's an executive or what have you. So um, I think it's important to, to, understand analytics and, and what role it plays in that continuum. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an area that I happen to enjoy very much because I'm analytical in nature, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a natural, I just, I find myself fascinated with problems. When I look at something, I'm looking at it constantly through that analytic lens. So for me, it's just, it's important because I, I, I realize that when you're trying to solve a problem, a lot of times it comes down to how you're interpreting that data, right? But I do think it's also important um, if you're going to be uh, working in any area of data science that you understand that workflow. You understand, mm -hmm. you know, the data engineering aspect, the data visualization piece, the analytics side, as well as, you know, what it takes to, you know, get to full deployment or, or production on mm -hmm. something. And that a lot of times that it requires, you know, being able to work cross-functionally, like I said, being able to get along with IT, yeah. understanding their challenges, 
being able to talk with your stakeholders, whether it's your C-level executives or maybe it's your salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, you know, analytics is important because you, you need to be able to understand each of these different aspects of the business, right? Mm -hmm. not, just, not just looking at the data from a data science perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, that is definitely I feel that, you know, uh, along with when we talk a lot more about this programming languages or the technologies used in this field right now, problem solving, solving and the analytics, analytical skills, actually, those are the soft skills, which are like, there always like, you know, even though there is a change in technology, you always need that skill set, like as on your resume, like, you know, you should have that. So it is easy to migrate from one technology to other as well, if you have that skill. So thank you for sharing. Uh, moving to the next question is about, um, now you use lots of tools and the programming language as well. I see you are, you are learning SQL, R. Um, so uh, like, what do you prefer? Like, uh, which, is there any preferable tool or like, you know, uh, any preferable language that you choose? Um, well, open for any, any language. Yeah. Well, SQL, you know, I've been using SQL for about 13 years. Like I said, that it's, it's, that was the first, you know, language I really, or the first programming uh, or platform I, I learned when I uh, became an analyst. And, and I look at SQL as kind of the workhorse mm -hmm. of, you know, the analytics life cycle or the data, you know, life cycle. Um, you know, it's so important to have, like I said, you know, uh, an understanding of where your data is and being able to pull that data so mm -hmm. I look at SQL as, you know, it's, it's, it's the bread and butter kind of what I do on a daily basis. So I heavily rely on SQL. Yeah. Um, I've also used SAS a little bit. Um, I think it's important, you know, um, to understand some of these proprietary, uh, you know, types of software, whether it be SQL or, or mm -hmm. SAS. But, but I think open source is, is definitely here to stay. <laughs> I mean, I think languages like Python, are um, I think a lot of people are even talking about Julia. I heard about Julia a few years ago. Yeah, I, I used yeah. it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you can put a limit on mm -hmm. knowledge. I don't think you can say, well, yeah. you know, this is better than the other. I like to use the analogy of, you know, sometimes I'm not a big DIYer. I'm not. I don't like to. You know, I'm not that great at fixing things. That if it were like putting together, you know, I don't know, a, a shelf for my daughter's room or building you know, putting together a bike for Christmas or whatever. I'm not that great at putting together things mm -hmm. on, on that, but I like to use the analogy of a flathead screwdriver versus a Phillips head, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to need a flathead and sometimes you're going to need a Phillips head. Mm -hmm. I look at, I have a toolbox, right? To fix things that around the house. Well, mm -hmm. I look at data science and, and, you know, these different tools as, you know, I have a toolbox now that I can refer to, right? Mm -hmm. So on a, on any given day at work, you know, a lot of times I would say I'm going to be using SQL, but I may have a project come up that I need to think about, well, gosh, maybe, maybe it would be helpful if I use R to mm -hmm. convert the data from, you know, wide format into long mm -hmm. format. And maybe Python can help me create, you know, connect to an API Mm -hmm. that will allow me to, you know, bring in some data that will complement this analysis that I can't necessarily do as quickly, mm -hmm. say, in R, right? So I think once you get, you get familiar with these different languages, you can, you can start to get a feel for, you know, when you need to apply or use each of them. So do I have a favorite? I, you know, I think right now, because I've been spending so much time in R, 
I'm really, really enjoying R. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It, it, it reminds, it, it feels a lot like in terms of the syntax, I, I guess I kind of caught onto the basics fairly quickly mm -hmm. because it's so much like SQL mm -hmm. to me. Um, and I, there's just some really, you know, interesting nuances about R that I just really enjoy. Like the, I call it the power of the pipe, right? Mm -hmm. Little things about the syntax that I think are really helpful when you're going through your data wrangling and just some of the basic things that I would typically do in SQL. Mm -hmm. Now I can do in R. Okay. So I guess I kind of lean towards R, but I was looking over some of my old GitHub projects yesterday and some of my old projects from last year. And I was looking at some of my Python, um, stuff and I'm like, man, this is, I should go back and sort of spend some time, you know, kind of refreshing. You got, I, I feel like, you know, if you don't do it every day, it's easy to sort of forget some of those things. So I think it's important to keep your skills up no matter what language you may lean towards. Yeah. And I feel that if you know one language, it's very easy to switch to the other language. Actually, It is relatively one easier. To know yeah. One actually, at least. So moving to the next question is about why this podcast stands for like taking leaderships in the areas you are interested in. So uh, as I see you as a leader, actually, so Thank you. What is your leadership style and any leader that you follow or always admire? Um, I see my leadership style as more of a coaching leader mm -hmm. mindset. Um, like I said before, I really enjoy helping people. Um, I enjoy training and teaching other people uh, mm -hmm. things. Um, I found that I have an, an ability to take technical jargon and make it uh you know easier for people to understand you know in a layman sort of way um i'm able to sort of bridge that gap and help communicate things uh even from a you know say an it to business perspective i think that business acumen has really come in handy mm -hmm. um i see myself as a coaching leader when i've when i've managed other people i've been able to um be able to work with different individuals uh, regardless of their level of uh, mm -hmm. knowledge and I'm able to to discern those people that need some help in a particular area I've enjoyed you know coaching them offline um, you know to be able to bring their speeds up you know or their, their skill up in a certain you know in a certain area whether it be Excel or you know something as, as, yeah. as simple as that but um, as far as leaders that I follow I, I I don't really have a, one particular leader per se that I follow, but I would have to say that, you know, leadership comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, I consider you a leader in the fact, in the, in the uh, regard that you have developed this. So lead Saturday, you know, initiative, you know, you're taking, you know, a leadership position um, in terms of how you are going about your presence on LinkedIn. I think each of us has that that ability if if we if we dig down and sort of harvest that 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 energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely, I you know, I guess I have different types of people that I consider leaders. Um, I'll just like I said, continue to use LinkedIn as an example. Kate is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, ben Taylor in the in the in the world of AI, I think you know he and Terry Singh. Um, are just incredible. I think that they, you know, care about their, their followers. They care about, they genuinely care mm -hmm. and are extremely knowledgeable in their area or their, their domain. Um, from a business perspective, I've seen a lot of really good posts from Jason Krantz. He mm -hmm. went on his own to start Strategy Titan. Mm -hmm. And so I really, um, really kind of admire what he's done. And I really, a lot of his, his posts resonate with me. Um, I also enjoy, uh, I've, I've seen Matt Dan, you know, Dan show, like I said, build his business. Mm -hmm. business. 
I really admire leaders who aren't afraid to take risks, Mm -hmm. um, but that also understand along the way that they need other people. You can't do it alone. And if you're going to work with other people or rely on other people, it's extremely important that you understand the value that each, that those people bring to the equation and that you can communicate effectively and that you genuinely care, right? I look, you know, there's a reason we call, you know, people within an organization, you know, we call the people that manage them human resources. I, I think people are resources. They're, you know, they're assets. Um, so I, I tend to, I tend to admire leaders who, are very humble, mm -hmm. uh, who really care about the individuals that they are, that they're leading. There's a, definitely a difference between a leader and a manager, you yeah. know, um, politically. Yeah. yeah. Politically I admire, I mean, gosh, you know, I've admired different people in, in politics and you know, different business people, yeah. you know, so it just, it just depends on what, what area you're referring to, but definitely on LinkedIn, I've seen a lot of people really blossom in the last, in the year or two, uh, you know, that I've, uh, been doing some things on LinkedIn. It's been really fun watching everybody grow. Yeah, and I can relate that actually. The whatever whichever name you mentioned, actually, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And when we are talking about this helping and caring nature as well, being a leader, actually, I, I just remembered that incident where you know when I started my career in the healthcare as a data scientist, and I was looking for the domain knowledge. I remember that I posted it on LinkedIn. And you were the first who just messaged and saying that, you know, hey, hi, I have a book and then I can just post it to you. Tell me your mail address, mailing address and I will give it to you. So that definitely shows that like, you know, um, they're always ready to help out people. So thank you so much, actually. Oh, you're welcome. I really, really appreciate uh, your insights on the leadership style. And those are really yeah. very much like I can relate as well. So, um, Moving to the next question is about, you know, um, we already discussed this, so maybe we can skip that one. Uh, but moving to the uh, second question is about any tips or advice uh, that you would like to give to the people who are looking to grow in their career or looking to transform their career into a specific field? Because you are doing it actually uh, quite well, the way oh, you transform you. your journey in the, you know, throughout your uh, your profile like you know you are up to date with your current skill set as well which is like thank you i profile skill set in the market right now and you took that challenge as well so what kind of a tip and advice would you like to give to the people i have a lot of people that contact me with these questions um one of the things that i tell them or i i encourage them to do first is to really ask themselves why mm -hmm. they want to do it um, like I said, I kind of fell into this and I sort of, it just was a natural thing for me because I had al already kind of considered myself sort of a geek. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I loved data. I loved math. I, you know, I just, I always sort of gravitated towards that. But if you're thinking of, especially if you're making a thinking, thinking of making a change, excuse me, I think it's important to, like I said, put that stake in the ground and be very self-aware and ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Right. Where do I see myself? in two, three, five years. Um, why is it important to me? It really be, you know, you hear about Simon Sinek's why. Well, I think each of us needs to be very aware of our why, be very self-aware. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I would say is that, you know, just ask yourself that question. Mm -hmm. The second thing I do or I encourage is what I did. Take stock. Mm -hmm. um, make, a, make a list of, or, you know, what, what are your current skills? Where do you want to be? Mm -hmm. What does that job entail? 
you know, get to know some of the leaders, like I said, thought leaders on LinkedIn mm -hmm. that are in that space, whether it's AI, machine learning, you know, data engineering, um, computer vision, you know, there's different people on LinkedIn that you, you know, uh, can, can point to, right, or contact that have these, these, these areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. Look at their profiles, look at their background, um, look at their projects, look at their GitHub, understand sort of what you may be in for, um, and then, you know, make a list of those skills that you need to have and then do a gap analysis, yeah. do a gap analysis and figure out, you know, what, what can, what transferable skills do I have that I don't necessarily have to like learn from scratch, but then what are those things I just don't know? Maybe I need to understand ET, the ETL process better. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to learn SSIS. Maybe I need to understand data visualization. Mm -hmm. You know, look at that continuum, right? If you're looking interested in data science, machine learning, understanding what is that data science life cycle? What does that look like? What are the different pieces? How does it work together? Mm -hmm. What skills do I need to learn to get to where I want to be, right? And just be very clear, you know, listing those skills out. And then I would just prioritize, you know, because there's so many courses you can take. Some people still what you know some people work better with books some people work better with videos some people are better self-taught just pulling up a youtube video mm -hmm. um, some people do better in a face-to-face -face, you know going to get a four-year degree maybe you want to get a four-year degree maybe you have that time and mm -hmm. that money and you're very you know you're just that's the way you work best so i would i would figure out what are the best the best mediums right or the best tools or conduits for you to get to where you need mm -hmm. to be to get those those skills um to get those skills uh, accomplished or feel comfortable with those skills and then finally i would just say get start using it as much as possible mm -hmm. you know use it as i mean use it every day whether you want to sign up for the daily coding challenge you don't really sign up you just start using the hashtag but you know do it do it every day you know mm -hmm to figure out what your passion is, go for it a hundred percent, throw it, throw yourself into it, be all in, um, you know, and, and like I said, get to know other people in the space and get in and communicate with them, learn from them. Um, but definitely share what you're learning yeah. because, um, I've, a lot, I've had people contact me and say, gosh, you know, I just don't know how to get into data science. Like, or maybe they just finished school, right? I get a lot of these new graduates that will say, gosh, I, I just, I'm graduating with my, you know, bachelor's from UTD in the fall um, or the summer, and I really want to, you know, get an internship or I want to go work for this company. And I say, well, first of all, do you know anybody there? You need to start networking. You need to be talking to these people. And then secondly, I say, hey, you know, um, make sure that, you know, um, that you're, uh, really ready to do the type of work that you want to do make sure your projects your github whatever you're using to like i said um keep your skills up make sure all of that is available that all of that's ready to go mm -hmm. um, start sharing i say i tell them start blogging you know share your share your projects mm -hmm. um, don't be afraid you know just it, it all starts with that first post right so once you get out there, and I've been really, I've been loving Angela Baltis, I think she said her last name, Baltis. Um, Angela, uh, you know, she's uh, been posting some videos on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just, it's awesome. She's just getting on there and talking about her background. So maybe you just start with a video talking about yourself, introducing yourself to the community. But that's the way you get employers to notice you. That's the way you get other people to notice you that you may want to work, uh, network with. 
Um, so yeah, I just think it's important to just put yourself out there and start sharing your work and, and show your passion. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, basically it is like being brave and help yourself actually. So definitely you find the approach, how, what, what best works for you. So yeah. this was really very wise and, uh, I love talking to you and, uh, you know, uh, making you back again. So uh, thank you so much and sure. uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank, thank you. Thank you. See you, Alicia. Bye-bye.